This is Get a Load of This Podcast, where we cover topics for truckers and entrepreneurs alike. Our guests are coming straight from the trucking industry and industries that directly influence and impact the truckers and trucking companies. We want to bring tremendous value to today's leaders and entrepreneurs and our future of the trucking industry. The common passion amongst our hosts and our guests is one thing. It's you. It's you, the people that make this country move, the trucking industry. Enough with the introductions. Let's get this load on the road. We are your hosts, Thomas, Cameron, and Ryan. Let's get rolling. Hey, welcome back to Get a Load of This Trucking Podcast. As always, your host, Cameron Pishy. I am super pumped about today. I know a lot of times I get other industry professionals, whether it be from Kenworth or Chris Spears from ATA, you know, Rebecca Brewster from Atri and those kind of folks. And every now and then, and I want to bring the real side of freight from people that are in the trenches every day or have done or in the seats where you guys are. So today's guest, I'm so excited to get um, into it. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on introductions because I feel like uh, unless you're living under a rock, you're going to know who this next guest is. So I want to welcome to the platform our special guest, Chad Boblet. Chad runs Rate Per Mile Masters, that along with a whole slew of other things and just value he brings. But Chad, what's happening, man? Thanks for coming on. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, I'm at home currently, um, and hopefully the sound of these people cutting down trees behind me doesn't bother you all. Uh, no, I think I can't hear anything, and it looks like you're increasing the value of your property right now is what I see. Yes, yes. We had some wind <laughs> damage. It knocked uh, some trees down and then done damage to the other trees, and uh, um, uh, so now now we're just, uh, yeah, hopefully that, that doesn't. It, it start, you get more of a view of the lake and, uh, and all the animals I love that come it. back there. <laughs> I love it. And you're coming out of uh, Kentucky, Lexington, right? Kentucky, yes. Uh, my realtor, there you go, man. My realtor says I'm the only person she knows that ha- that lives in the side city limits of Lexington and have deer in my backyard. <laughs> Man, I love it. Wildlife's great and like the outdoors. I'm up in the Pacific Northwest, so obviously it's a whole different vibe, but similar as far as the greenery and stuff oh, yeah. goes. So I enjoy that too. Deer, elk, shoot, we had a bear, cougar up where I'm at just recently. So you got to kind of keep an eye on the kids. Yeah. So I had a I had a coyote uh, come running back behind here once. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you cool man. And, and with the lake, with the lake, the, a distraction uh, when I'm working at my desk is the fish that jump out of the water. They have huge. Yeah, bass. You get out there with a the pole. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> take a quick fishing yeah, break. I mean, I think about that all the time. Uh, it's, nah, man, I love it. So I want, and I mean, I'm sure everyone that's on this platform has heard about, if not been impacted or influenced by rate per. Pop- Per mile masters. I know you had the website. I know that you launched into the Facebook group, but just give a quick overview. And then you have a cool story about how that even came to be. Yes. Um, so I want to hear that, man. Let's dive into that real quick. And then we'll talk about what you do and the, the group as a whole. And then we'll take it from there. Okay. Well, I've, uh, I've told uh, people that do know me, they, they've uh, probably heard me tell the story many times. Uh, but uh, starting the Facebook group, um, whenever um, you know, I got into trucking as an owner operator carrier, not as a company driver. I didn't get excited about trucking until I got my first truck. And, um, and I'm a talker, um, before Facebook, I would, I would show up at these, uh, I would show up 
at a you know shipper or receiver waiting to get loaded, waiting to get offloaded, and uh, um, I would go annoy other drivers. What are you doing here? How'd you get here? What, what load did you pick up? What are you bringing? And then uh, and then I would talk about the things that uh, seemed like nobody wanted to talk about, but I would talk about it. It was like kind of nosy type questions. You don't ask somebody how much they get paid, but me, I would. I would ask them all the time. What did you get paid on that load? And uh, uh, you know, the, the Landstar guys, I would I would like talk to them. They were s- kind of similar to me. You know, they're owner-operated carrier. They're just leased onto someone. Uh, that t- You know, uh, uh, there's many companies like that. And uh, I would love talking to the owner-operated carriers that, that were leased onto a company to see what are they doing, you know. I, I have no – from the day one, I, ha- I would tell people – I would tell all the trucking companies, I have no problem at all putting another trucking company on the, on the doors of my truck. But show me the numbers. Let me say, let me tell me the numbers. And that was my curiosity. Who's out there doing better than me? And uh, I still got my name on my truck. I, you know, I, nobody, nobody's no, during that twelve years. Nobody, nobody was doing better than what I was doing uh, when it, when you compared the numbers. I mean, some come close, but anyway, that was my whole idea of asking these people that um, at the beginning, and then making friends along the way. You just came out of Florida. What'd you get going in? What do you got coming out? And then I would do the numbers in my head. Does it make sense to do that? And talking, and so. Then I got into Facebook and I'm like, well, uh, let's create a Facebook group. Instead of calling these people going down the road all day long, I can put them all into one place and talk to them. And uh, that's kind of how the group started. And then it grew in popularity. At the very beginning, if you go back nine years when the group started, uh, you would see a lot of the posts at the very beginning was, uh, I'm in Florida. I'm coming I'm coming out. This is what I got. This is the broker I got it with. This this was my rate. And as it grew, uh, we kind of got away from that. But uh that 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 grew in popularity because for me to tell someone I got three dollars per mile, I got four dollars per mile, and be able to show them details of my rate sheet, you know, and I got it from this broker. Go to this broker if you want to get this type of rate. Uh, and I got you know a FEMA load. I mean, those were exciting loads to talk about, and that it, it gained popularity. A lot of people came to the group to to be a part of that. And then and then I started getting endorsements, and that just grew, that that brought in a whole uh, flood of people. And then you got to look at when the group started, two thousand. Uh, a little bit after 2011. Well, that's when I started as an owner-operator carrier, 2011, and that kind of relates to the to uh, around that time frame. Uh, the spot market was a whole different animal than what it is now. That at that time yeah. we were coming out of, um, and a lot of people says, "Oh, you got lucky when you got started, Chad." Maybe I did get lucky. I mean, it was probably a whole lot better starting in 2011 than it was in 2009, as they were coming right out of the financial crisis. But uh, um. Uh, but the thing that I did, you know, one of my first companies that I that I that I uh, start, partnered with was DAT, selling the load board. But and at that time, at that time, it was uh, they a lot of people didn't use DAT to do what I was doing, make a living off of DAT. That's what I was doing. And at that time, most people looked at working with brokers and using DAT. Let's use, I'm going to use the, the the negative word that people hate. They used it as a backhaul service, and that's the way people a lot of people used. DAT to find their load to get back to their customer. I was doing it to go out and go everywhere else and take advantage of that of where all the good paying loads were. And, and then so so my subject to a lot of people was if you can use DAT to do to I would much rather work with the brokers than work with a direct shipper. If you work with a direct, you know everybody has their uh, pros and cons with that. I mean the the thing was with a direct shipper you would have to be at a say at at a at a at the same rate for six months at a time, but if you're running the spot market, you could take advantage of get getting into a hot market and getting really high rates, and that's that was the kind of thing that I love. That's the reason why I named the group Rate for Bound Masters. 
Man, I love it. Yeah. And that's a cool background, a cool story with, uh, you know, it, it. it's funny you mentioned it's like it's kind of nosy when you start asking the questions. And, and in my opinion, those are the hard questions. And I think the reason make it people make it uncomfortable is they either don't know they might be embarrassed about the rates they're hauling or they don't want to know what could be better because they're comfortable in their own bubble and like it works for them. But I know that growth comes when you get out of your comfort zone. So I think those those questions are necessary. And you're I, I love it, too, because you look and you saw the need. You filled the void. You said, you know what? I'm going to embrace technology in a way that others aren't because you can only talk to so many people, as you alluded. So put them in a group. Get them together. Let's be somewhat transparent. I think it holds accountability to brokers, DAT, to whoever. And I love that about DAT. They'll post the rates and their lanes and their averages and all that kind of stuff. It's a huge benefit. And I agree. I think brokers are a huge asset to trucking companies. A lot of people get a negative light shed on them and for good reason for some, but brokers can be good friends of yours as long as you treat them right and you don't bail on them, come in and out like a goldfish seeing something sparkly, right? I I, I do think there's a ton of value. And if that is your first true uh, partner there, you've held true to that relationship and you've got them to this day because I know you're a huge advocate of DAT. Uh, well, yes. Uh, and I have, I have other partners as well. I uh, load. Yeah. D, yeah. I mean, that's who I used from the very beginning. Uh, I've always used them. Yeah. Uh, yes. It's, it's where, you know, it's where most of the brokers are. So it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a program to, to load board that I've taken advantage of throughout the years to maximize profits and make as much money as I can. Uh, yeah. At the very beginning, when I first started, uh, you, it was countless numbers of owner-operator carriers that would tell me, you can't just run the spot market and make it. You cannot do it. I mean, I used to get told, uh, eventually, it's, the tables are going to flip, and you're going you're gonna to see the downside, and you're not going to make it. You're gonna, but, uh, I mean, that was, that was 12, a dozen years ago, uh, over a decade ago. And, and here, and here uh, you are. 100% you're still of my true. freight is always, I, I would, 99% of my freight has come from, come from brokers, uh, freight brokers. I mean, I've done some shipper stuff, but yeah. it's never... It's never panned out to where I like doing chipper freight. As soon as as soon as the spot market starts picking up, I'll see you later. Sayonara. Yeah. I'm going to the back to the brokers. I'm not doing this uh, uh, furniture load from a shipper down the road. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot too is product of environment. Like I grew up, my family's in transportation and trucking, and a lot of them were dedicated lanes from up here in the Pacific Northwest to Florida. My my aunt and uncle would team drive. Right, they'd come back. We're in the shop around the truck and that kind of stuff. So. From early on, when I started getting introduced into the transportation industry and I was in construction trade and other things before I got into the career I'm in now, um, all you know is what you see, I feel like, unless you're out seeking education, asking the questions like you did. But let's back up just a touch because I always find it fascinating on why people got into trucking. So what did you do prior to trucking? What's your upbringing and background that led you to trucking? Oh, um Okay, well, and that's another story that, that I tell quite often because people like to hear it. Uh, the uh, background: uh, uh, as soon as I finished high school, I went. Uh, I was I, I didn't have a desire to do college. Uh, I, I early on I knew uh, probably junior sophomore year I'd already had it planned in my head that I wanted to go to the Marine Corps. Uh, did that? I went to the Marine Corps. Did ten years. I always uh, believed I was going to probably retire in the Marine Corps. I loved the Marine Corps. I loved it until I went to Iraq, and then after that, I didn't want to have nothing to do with it again because uh, I want it. Just I did everything I wanted to do. That that I did. Plus, they were I was going to have to go back to Iraq if I if I stayed in if I did stayed in longer than ten years. Uh, anyway, so that that pushed that I, I, instead of reenlisting, I went ahead and got out unplanned. 
Um, and I pursued being a state police officer, but you have to wait until academy starts before you can get into um, the police, until you can get into being a state police officer. I didn't want to be a city cop. I wanted to do the state police thing. And I could not wait until I, they couldn't give me a solid date when they were going to start the academy. So back then we used newspapers uh, to look for a job. Yeah. <laughs> we don't use it. And now it's yep. oh, yeah. it Classified. 96, 97 time frame. Uh, and uh, all the, when you go to look at the job ads in the newspaper for your area that you're living in, the thing that just popped out in every single newspaper was everybody needed truck drivers. So, uh, there was, and they would have these big banners, you know, come drive for us and we'll pay for your training. Uh, I ended up paying for my own training um, and that was probably the best way to do it. And uh, the instructor at the school said probably the best the best place for me to go work uh, work for the type of person I was and he right the he was a pri- you know retired truck driver was for TMC which is probably one of the hardest companies to flatbed and back then we used paper logs I mean I remember, so it was a very hard company very 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 hard company but I thought it was I thought it was awesome of how how much more money you could make in trucking. Uh, working for them, and it was it was a, based on a percentage. You got paid based on a percentage of what the load paid. So that got me started with the numbers. You know, the the dispatcher would give me a load, and I would figure out how many miles it is and what kind of how much money I was going to make uh, doing the load. That kind of helped me out. You know, establishing rate per mile is important, <laughs> and uh, that that every every mile you put on that truck is work. You know, you're holding a steering wheel and having to execute that, and where you end up, you know, and what you get coming out of those areas. Anyway, did that uh, uh, did that for a year. For a year, went to McLean, and I'll, I'll wrap it through this because a lot of people heard these stories. Uh, but uh, went, I did that for a year. I wanted to get a job where I could be home more often, so I went to McLean. That was even a more of a demanding job, uh, uh, physical demanding. You're offloading the whole entire. So when you hear people say, "Oh, I don't like doing multi-stop loads," at McLean we had like 20 stops in one day. <laughs> and this this ain't and this is a huge semi tractor trailer and you're offloading the entire trailer by hand. Not only are you dropping a ramp coming in and out of the back, but you have to climb inside of a refrigerator part of it, climb up in it, get stuff out of there, and then go to the freezer part of it, grab some ice cream out of there, and take it into not a regular Walmart that you know that 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 you know that you're used to going to. You're going to like 7-Eleven mom and pop gas stations. Uh, I started <laughs> funny. The funny part of that is they're toward. I stayed with them three and a half years, something like that. Uh, but they're toward the end. I knew I, I was getting Andre. I, I didn't like being there. I'd hurt my knee, and uh, and it would just hurt so bad. And I I'd already knew that the time was running out for me because I, I was going to have to have surgery on my knee to fix it. Uh, so what the funny thing is that when I would go to these Seven Elevens. Uh, they would want you to park like where the Coke man parks, like across the parking lot and carry the stuff all the way to the door. Not me. My knee was hurting. I would back up to the front door of the 7-Eleven, drop the ramp, and I would I would get it to where I would put pull the I would pull the semi in the trailer right into the gas pumps. You couldn't get gas because my semi would be right there. And I would back up to the door as if I was backing up to a dock. When I dropped the ramp, I would use the ramp to hold the door open. And the 7-Eleven clerk would come out saying, you can't do that. I said, I'll be offloaded by the time you run me off. I'll be done with you. <laughs> and uh, and uh, you drop all your stuff. Here, sign here, and I'll leave. He's like, well, you can't just put it right here in the middle of the floor. Hey, uh, if you sign it, I'll move my truck, and I'll be out of your hair. I mean, it was uh, – anyway, I knew time was coming up, was ending for me. And I anyway, so that was the funny part of it. I got So then I had to – Went and got, had to have surgery on my knee and my neck. Uh, I'd injured it probably over, you know, working so hard that 
in the Marine Corps and throughout my life. Flatbed wasn't a good thing either. I mean, damaged, probably jumped off the flatbed, damaged my knee and stuff. Anyway, it caught up with me. That put me out of work for nine months. Uh, going through physical therapy, I got paid short-term disability. It was bad. It was really bad during that time because I had to send my wife and kid. My wife is from Japan. Had to send her and my two newborn children. Had, had two newborn children. Had to send them to Japan to live with my in-laws. It was like I lost everything. I had to put my house up for sale. And that was the, right after the housing crash. And you couldn't sell houses at that time. So I found someone to rent it. So that I broke even. The one thing I did keep, the one thing I did not destroy was my credit. That comes into play later on in this story I'm telling you about. I didn't destroy my credit. And uh, at the end of that nine months, you know, uh, of being on short-term disability, they I was told, your disability is running out. Uh, you're not going to get no money anymore. And I had left the house I was living in, the beautiful mansion. I was living in a motel. I went from being in the Marine Corps uh, to now living in a motel. Having a, I used to have a beautiful house with a beautiful wife and kids, all that. I'm down, now I'm down to nothing, you know, with crutches because of the knee problem. Anyway. What am I going to do? Well, I'm, uh, I didn't lose my license. I still had a CDL license. Didn't didn't hurt my credit because I always paid my bills. Had good credit. Even you know had renters in the house. They were making the payments on it. So I was able I was able to sell the Infinity G thirty five that I had because I couldn't pay for it. So living in a motel, all that gone. Uh, what am I going to do? Uh, well, I always wanted to be an owner operator, and that was the thing. When I go to these truck stops, I would love I love talking to the guys that had the nice decked out trucks. Because if you talk to someone, if you talk to someone with a crappy beat up truck, you know, driving for another company, those people always had failure stories. I want to talk to people that had success stories. The bigger that damn truck, uh, the bigger that truck is, the more I wanted to. Hey, it's the trucking podcast. Okay. The good. bigger that truck was, the more I wanted to talk to that driver. And I want to hear the success stories. Kind of like what you do when bring these people on with uh, talking to the podcast. I want, that was the thing that I wanted to do. I want to talk to these drivers. So that enticed me. I'm like, you know, I've always wanted to be an owner operator. Uh, this is my only chance to do it. If I if I if I don't make it, then okay, they take the truck. I don't know what happens at that point, but I'm, I've already lost everything. I have nothing else to lose, right? I've I've already lost everything. So if I if I attempt this, uh, maybe I make it. Maybe I don't. I'll still have my driver's license, my CDL license. I can go drive for somebody else. Don't, anybody will hire me. You know, I, I, it's not what I really want to do. Anyway, so. Uh, couldn't get another huge problem in this industry is for the first time, uh, first as uh, someone that wants to be an owner operator for the first time, it's hard, so hard for those guys to get financing. The only people they can get financing from is like a loan shark where huge outrageous uh, uh, interest rates. Uh, nobody will give them a loan. I mean, the banks, I mean, that was the thing that the banks were telling me. The banks are saying, uh, yeah, you've never owned a trucking company uh, and you're buying a truck to start a trucking company. We don't do startups like that. I mean, it was just, just uh, one bad story after another where they wouldn't give it to me. So uh, I'm here in the motel. I had to have to go. I had a P.O. box uh, that, I, that I would go check my mail at. And uh, because I had good credit, the, I would get I would always get these credit card offers in the mail. And I remember laying in bed like, how am I going to get my wife and kids back? How am I going to get out of this situation? I'm in a bad situation. What am I going to do? I want to get this truck. I want to buy a truck. What am I going to do? So at the middle of the night, I, I, it came to me. I'm going to go get those credit card, all those credit card offers that are in that PO box. That because that, that was the only mail I was getting. I the, when I and I remember checking the mail and I would get them like and I would rip them up, throw them away. I don't need no credit cards. But I'm like, 
damn, you know, the thing on that credit card statement says zero interest for 12 months. And I'm like, damn, so what's the catch here? Why don't everybody do this? I'm going to apply for all these damn credit cards. I got four of them in the mail. And uh, I don't know how long you're going to let me talk, but this pot, but uh, this is the, another really fun part of, of, uh, of getting started. I, I didn't know nothing about buying trucks, N- knew nothing at all. But I knew where truck paper was because I used to look at truck paper. That my dad, I, mean, I don't know how long you've been in trucking, but my dad, well, he would come in off the road and the, and he would bring home tr- uh, the truck paper. Back then, it was like a yep. it was like a paper, uh, a real paper, you know, and it had all these trucks and it had all these prices in it. And when my dad would brought, bring it home. I would go through it. And this was at six, seven years old. I would go through it and put X's on all the trucks he don't need to buy, and I would find the cheapest one. I would say, Dad, you need to buy this one. It's only selling for five thousand dollars. And you know, and my dad he knew more about trucks. But that was a fascinating thing uh, that I did as a kid growing up. Uh, so I went. That was the only thing I knew when it was come time to buy a truck was go to truck paper. That's fine. Let's do like the thing I was doing as a kid. Well, the only thing I knew was all right. Well, the truck with the least amount of miles should have the most amount of life left to it. And I look. My my price range is thirty five thousand. That's all I can spend. That's all these credit cards get are going to give me. It's thirty five thousand. <laughs> You're light of credit. And. Uh, I looked at I was I looked at all forty eight states and uh, and I and I narrowed it down. What truck has the least amount of miles? I found a red Volvo with four hundred and ten thousand miles on it. I said, no matter where this truck is, I'm gonna go buy it. Just so happened the truck was here in Lexington. Unbelievable! Oh, no right here way. where I'm at, six miles no down way. the road. And uh, of course, I went and bought it. <laughs> I used I applied for the credit cards, got the credit cards, went there, and now you can get the same the same dealer still works there. You can go if you ever call them and talk to them, they, they would say, "Yeah, we know Chad. He he came in here, and this was right after the financial crisis. You know, we're 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 going to see we're going to see some of the same stuff that happened during the financial crisis in the next six months. Uh, so they they still had they still had inventory and they were selling it. I mean, this was a decent truck they're selling for thirty five thousand dollars, and I could not believe out of all forty eight states, the one truck I found. At that thirty-five thousand dollars price range, was right here. It was kind of like it was meant to be, and uh, I went. To be. I went in and I said, "So I want to buy the truck, and I'm going to use. Uh, I'm going to use these four credit cards to buy it." They started laughing at me, and uh, and I'm like, "What's what's the deal? What's the problem? You're, you're you're you have a mechanic shop and you sell parts. They use credit cards. You can't use my credit cards to 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 do this." And I think they were willing to work with me because they had a good size inventory of trucks on their lot. They needed to sell. But I remember them laughing at me, And uh, but they still did it. They still sold it. The, they said, well, okay, we'll sell it to you. I lived in Lexington right down the road from They sold it to me. And uh, I was so, anyway, I was so broke when I started that I remember that I had to, uh, I, I was like, literally used all the money I had to get started. And I had, I, the, the truck came with a half tank fuel, uh, it hold, had 150 gallons so, uh, on each side. And uh, so all together, probably around 150 gallons. I remember I had to, I, whatever, the, lo- the first load I got, I had to make sure that I could complete the load and get paid on the load before I went and did another load. And that was the greatest feeling ever when I did that first load and I was able to top those tanks off get the, and fill them up all the way. I'm like, from then on, I said, I'm going to make a lot of money. And uh, here I am today. <laughs> the rest is history. Chad, that's, um, I had no idea, first of all, because I had not heard that beginning story. And that's incredible. That that truly is um, inspiring. That That's a great story, Chad, from pretty much rock bottom, homeless to, and I don't want to say homeless, and, but you know yeah. what I mean, living in a motel and that kind of thing to, to coming up on fortune. And, and what are the odds? 
it's in the town that you're at. You find this, you know, truck papers. Yeah, they've been around forever, obviously digital format now. And and I recommend everyone go out and check the values and the prices of the truck because they'd be amazed at what the values and prices have done lately. And they're probably uh, undervalued on all their equipment. But I would add Taylor Martin to that if you want to stay up with the latest. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, there, and there's so many good resources. That's it's hard for me to pick where to begin with the different things that you do, but I think at the core. So I, I do want to touch on. You started obviously post the initial recession in 07, 08, and I actually got into insurance for construction and transportation in 07, 08. So same same story. It's like the worst possible time to get in and that. But I also think luck plays a factor because. Like you, I didn't have a ton of options. I grew up, you know, not with a ton of money, hardworking background, my single mom, you know, I so I had great examples of what to do and who I want to work with and type of people that I wanted to help. So that led me to that. For you, what was the environment like? Because I'm and I don't want to say I'm guilty. It's only because of who I know, who I talk to and that kind of stuff. People are like, hey, you can't make a living on the spot market because I think the spot market, the, the common, you know, perception of that is it's an inefficiency of shipping freight. So then it ends up on the spot market. Therefore, they got to bid it out to get the loads moved. And I think as time evolved from talking to people like you, guests on the podcast, working with so many different trucking companies, I think it's a valuable piece of the equation to have access to the spot market because when it booms, it booms and you can follow money around and you can specialize in freight and you can niche in regions and you can follow, you know, produce or fruit out of the Northwest and fruit out of Florida. And there, there's all kinds of ways that you can use, utilize this in your strategy um, along with, you know, if they've got a bigger fleet, let's use some um, contracted freight, let's use some dedicated shippers and what, whatever the case may be. You did it though, as an owner op through the spot market, through different um, economies, through different cycles and through different everything. So Talk about that journey. How did you succeed early on? What was it like? What was the roller coaster? How cyclical was it? And then let's come out of COVID and let's talk about what COVID did and what it's doing right now and where it's going to go in the next six months. Because I think that's where people need the most help. You have a ton of valuable history, which is why I'm so happy you came on. We got a veteran on the podcast that's done what you're doing as the owner op listening to this or somebody wanting to take from a company driver or a lease operator or whatever to go owner operator. Hopefully this will inspire some of those folks. Let's talk about that. So tell me about the economy, the freight, what you saw, the, all that stuff. Well, um, if um, looking back, you know, when I did come in, uh, it was a scary time. Uh, I didn't, I never experienced the owner operator carrier during the crash. And, and like when I talk to people now, say one of my good friends, Steve, Steve uh, does flatbed. He's, he's an older gentleman that was in the Marine Corps as well. I go to him for a lot of wisdom. And, uh, and I remember him telling me that uh, during the 08, 09, uh, like, I, I, I do a lot of comparisons. Like, are we now in a worse situation than what it was then? I can show, I can show, and uh, on my Facebook group, Rape from Our Masters, if you follow it, I don't know you do, uh, I show graphs all the time where, yeah, hey, this is, a, this is what, the, what the events that are taking place now have never happened in, in, in history. Uh, and it's way surpasses what we've seen in 08 and 09. So when I talked to Steve about, uh, Steve, what, what is the spot market? Is it worse now than what it is now? Uh, and one comparison he gave uh, that's very interesting is right now, he just bought a new truck not too long ago. Uh, and so he's, he has a friend, a dealership friend that he talks to. And uh, 
he noticed that the dealership, the the truck, that the truck lot is now starting to fill up. There was a time where you couldn't buy a truck. It was so it was very hard during during the COVID period. Uh, it was really hard to buy, especially a new truck. You were on a wait list forever. Steve says a good way to interpret. Uh, well, he was telling me he's like the truck lot is starting to fill up, starting to have a lot more trucks on it. People are turning in their trucks. That's what his dealer friend says. Says now he's like he's getting more returns of people that bought trucks than he is uh, selling trucks. But that he said, but compare that. He's like, yeah, that looks bad. But if you compare towards the end of the disaster of the financial crisis, that was the last period where it got really bad. That you know, I, I wasn't a part of. I was driving the truck, but I wasn't known operator care. Uh, he said during that time, that same dealership would have to go rent uh, land, for, uh, lots and farmland to put all the repos that the truck and that 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 lot was receiving. All the repos that were coming okay. in uh, uh, would they would fill up lots. Uh, so, like that's what happened then, and uh, we're, we're not there yet. But but here's the thing: I try to stay up to date with what's going on, financial stuffs, and uh, a lot. Even though we might start recovering, the stock markets might start going up again. But with the damage that's already happened, the trucking, the the trucking bleed out has not stopped yet. Freight Waves did a really good post on this. It's what we have added so many owner operator carriers to the industry that we're actually, uh, if we stayed on the same track, we're living in 2030. Like that, that many people jumped in the spot market during the, when the boom was taken off, like, you know, a couple of years ago, during that time, uh, right as, as we were coming out of COVID trucking was so lucrative that, uh, that we got a flood of people, uh, uh, that got their authority. And, uh, so many that, uh, that, it would usually take until 2030, you know, if, if things were normal to, for that many people to come into yeah. trucking. So, so the reverse has to happen. A lot of those people have to leave. Now, the thing that I think about that I've been looking at is uh, Donald Bachman. You might see him on CNBC sometimes. You know who I'm talking about? Donald Bachman. Uh, yeah. hope I'm his name right. yeah. I've met him a few times. Great guy. Uh, um, he's very knowledgeable. Uh, he did a, he did a speech one time. At DAT, DAT Con, I was the opening speaker the next day. Donald Buckman was talking. Anyway, one of his slides said, uh, said um, you can't, I got to be careful on saying this on uh, YouTube or uh, Facebook. You can't, but it's, his slide said, you can't kill an owner operator with cheap fuel. And there was a period, there was a period where rates before, before COVID, there was a period where rates were, were kind of low and they weren't going back up. Everybody, brokers want rates to go up. You know, they get a percentage. Everybody wanted rates to go up. Well, why, why are rates not going up? And the thing was, is that all the owner operators at that time, they you're not going to kill them off. You're not going to get rid of them with cheap fuel. But at that time, we had very cheap fuel. You can make all kinds of mistakes. You can you can be the worst. You can be a really bad a trip planner and and go a hundred miles out of route because you have a girlfriend or you want to go to a casino or whatever. You want to go home and go a hundred two hundred miles out of route. No no big deal because fuel was so was a lot cheaper than what it, half the price of what it is now. So reverse that and let, what happens whenever fuel goes up really high the way it is? The average price of diesel right now in California is over six dollars. That's insane. I would, that's almost brings tears to, to your eyes if you have to pump a whole uh, three hundred gallons, one hundred fifty gallons. So anyway, if you you can't kill them, uh, kill an owner operator with cheap fuel, but what's the reverse? If you have really high fuel prices, that's that will that will that will definitely take out a whole lot of people. The, and I think 
the one thing that that I see examples. I see. I, I talk to people. You all see what I put pu- put on uh, pu- what I publish publicly on the in the Facebook group forums. But uh, I also do a whole lot of private conversations with individuals, and I see what they're going through. And like one of the one of the first signs that really scares me is when someone says they knew they weren't going to make any money doing a load, but they had to do a load because they had to get quick pay from the broker so they could immediately pay their insurance company. Because uh, So if they if their insurance company didn't get the money, uh, didn't get this amount of money at, the, at this particular time, then the insurance company would shut their authority off. So you got guys, their, their last loads is those type of stories where I'm only doing this load I know I won't make no money. I know I won't be able to eat. I won't be able to profit. I'll actually lose money, but I have to get $1,000 to pay my insurance company. I have to get that check and get it off to them before they shut my authority off. Man, that's such a bad situation. They got families at home that the wife is saying the only thing that's in the kitchen. That's I mean, I'm reading stories like this. They're, they're shooting comments, open up the refrigerator, and the only thing, the food that to eat is co- uh, ketchup and mustard, you know, tight condiments. It ain't like no real food in the refrigerator because the husband's not making any money out on the road. And he's doing everything he can to survive. Survive. He just wants to, you know, he knows that game over once the insurance cancels you. I've got a question. I think something that I've preached and I coach a lot of people on and try to educate a lot of folks on, especially when you run and operate a business, because it's a different mindset from an operator or just somebody that's loves and passionate about trucking and and just wants to do it because of the freedom and all that stuff. But they don't truly understand business. And when I mean, what I mean by that is, is the numbers. They don't truly understand what their numbers mean. They don't properly adjust for, which is the perfect name for your group, the rate per mile. What does every portion of that money go towards? What is overhead? What's profit? What's tires? What's preventative maintenance? What's all these different things that I have to imagine you took an approach on early on because you started with nothing. You started with a half tank of gas coming into the market how did you set yourself up to be able to uh, one one thing that I gained a lot of respect for you and, and uh, among the million things that you do that impacts the trucking community, you've got over 35,000 members, but you have the balls to sit here and tell these people, park your truck. It's not even worth running this. Well, in that specific example, you are correct. They should not have ran that, but they're at the mercy and they got to the point where that money's already pre-spent. They're not even going to make any money, but in order to prolong and hopefully get another to fight another day, they're taking these loads. And it's 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 wear and tear on the equipment. It's wear and tear on everything. It's strain on their relationships. They're not able to provide for the mouse that they're out to really feed all these different things. And it's so sad that people get to that. And that's why I get so fired up and passionate about even trying to do this is to keep people from being in that position. So what's something you did that set you up to be able to say, hey, you know what? I'm parking my truck. I'm going to go on a vacation. I'm going to go down to Mexico for three weeks until this thing chills out. And I'm not going to move my truck until I say so, because I'm an owner operator and I control my destiny. How'd you get there? I constantly, from very beginning, I'm a, I'm a numbers person. I understand numbers. I'm, I might not be, uh, I might not be able to be the, you know, get A's in school like everybody else did, but I understand numbers. Numbers, they don't lie. And I was fascinated at the very beginning. I worked really hard all my life. I grew up here in Kentucky. I used to when, I, when the other kid, uh, before I got a job at McDonald's, and I, I couldn't get a job at McDonald's at 15, 14, 12 years old, so I'd go work on farms. The, uh, I worked really, I worked really hard all my life, and uh, and in the Marine Corps, it doesn't. Even though I picked up rank pretty fast in the Marine Corps, it didn't pay very good. 
But and then being a company driver, that didn't pay good. But when I first started driving a truck and I started getting money from these brokers and how much money they were paying me, I'm like, man, this is so this is so this is more money than I've ever made before. That and I'm like, I I, I don't want to. I only want to do you know the really high paying loads. And I was very attracted to that. Uh, uh, and and if you do the spot market long enough, you're going to see these up and down roller coasters. Like like I mean this this is the most. Uh, this is probably the biggest dramatic swing up and swing down that I've ever seen. And we still have not felt the complete swing down of what we're going through right now. Uh, but in the past, when the ups and downs would take place, I, I protected my downside whenever I bought the truck with credit cards. I thought I had it in my head, like, they'll never take this truck from me because credit cards don't come and take your truck from you. The title is free and clear. Actually, I use the title because I bought it with credit cards. They don't put <laughs> the title is free and clear. No lien and all on it. <laughs> so I use the title uh, as collateral to buy the trailer down the road. I'm like, uh, I, uh, yeah. I, know I'm not, I know you're not going to give me a loan, but you can have this truck that I just bought because I have I'm free, a title free and clear as, as collateral if you let me buy your trailer and make payments. Anyway, that's how I got the trailer too. But uh, but I protected the downside because I knew they weren't going to take the truck. And that's that's how the rate per mile became so important is I remember uh, January and we're getting ready to come up on January. It's not that very far away. And I just remember like I would use the hot market map on DAT and the whole map, you know, blue stands for nothing. Uh, there's no loads at all. <laughs> and I remember being at home like, where am I going to go? There ain't nothing. I'm like, wherever I go, I need to make enough money to wherever I go to go there and, and make it back home. Because if not, I'm going to be stuck. You know, there's no loads anywhere. It was completely dead for like two or three months. And uh, so I so I started focusing on really short runs, that runs that nobody else would do. It didn't make sense. But to leave the house, to go to Cincinnati, to pick up a load, go to Elizabethtown and come back home. Can I turn that into two dollars per mile all the way around? I could, I could, and at that time, fuel was cheap enough, and uh, and be back at home. And I could do that little round trip and, and be home. It wasn't great money, but it was. It, uh, someone mentioned this in the group, and I loved, I loved what they said. I'm gonna steal it from them. They said, uh, uh, "Some motion is better than no motion. Uh, slow motion is better than no motion." I think, I think that's what they said. Well, kind of yeah. makes sense. I mean, making some money is better than no money, and I was still staying profitable. You know, that I was still able to. I'm able to pay for my maintenance. I'm able to. I'm able to bring a check home. I had my, my at that time. I think my house was being close to paid off. I lived in a small house. Anyway, but I tell that story that I told earlier. I did eventually get my wife and kids back, and and I got into a new house. But uh, uh <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't. I did. Uh, so I was, able, I was able to piece all that stuff back together. Of course, I'm living a little bit better than I was back then. Uh, but. Uh, Anyway, I, it, that was that was that was one way, and, and, I, and hopefully by saying that, it's, it'll stick with people. That that rate per mile, if the numbers don't work, you cannot be out there working for free and and ta- and, ta- and being and getting paid less than anybody else, um, and you know taking those cheap loads and doing something local turned into great money, turned into really good money. Uh, that led into uh, and uh, doing power only. Uh, the, uh, and see, coming here's the other thing. When we get another tip for your for your audience, as we come out of this, as we come out of this rut that we're in right now, one of the hottest things that that that'll be that you know the loads that will pay the most that's totally that you don't need no trailer at all for is power only. That was something I took advantage of. I'm uh, uh, the power only uh, because as we come out, a lot of these trucking companies they're going to be thin on drivers. They're they're not hiring drivers like they used to be. They're going to be very thin on drivers, and they're going, but they're going to start bringing. They're going to have more loads. That's that the market's going to start to pick up, and they're, they're going to try to bring on more drivers. But during that time, while they're trying to bring on drivers, they're going to have a whole lot of extra power only loads that need to get moved 
we're the people that can jump in there and do it for them, save the day for them, yeah. and, and run those power only. So those some of those loads are are so easy and pay so good to do. Uh, and that was one of the life the lifesavers for me. I mean, I just as the market shrink, there was less good places to go to that I just started focusing on right here at the house. Round trip, wherever I go, I got to make enough money to go there and come back. And uh, and then I would throw myself out there. I'm, not only do I do van, but I do power only as well. And that led into that led into going to the same shippers, the same receivers. Uh, you know, working on a dumbbell uh, uh, from Lexington to Nashville. I mean, that that was that's when everybody was hurting. That was like my biggest money load right there was going to was going back and forth to Lexington, Nashville. The stuff that people were overlooking. And I think resilience is key for you, man. And obviously it resonates through your backstory um, all the way till now is you just, you're hard work and you find a way you're resilient. You're going to um, review what's going on and then react accordingly and do it with your best interest in mind and perseverance in mind. So I admire that, Chad. I Thank really you. do. I That's um, I, I think that people need to take that away. I think that people... you mentioned it like this is the most money I've ever seen. It's so easy. I think for people to see that money and think that they have all that money, you know what I mean? And that's not the truth. We know that you got to buy tires. You got to buy fuel. You got to pay taxes. You got to pay insurance. You got to pay all the different things that people want from you now. All of a sudden it's like, all right, I got to pay all this money out. And at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, you had all that money, but that's not all your money. It's not earmarked for you to go spend and buy a new car or, do a vacation or, or what, a, you know, I don't know what people do with their money. So I, I have to, I have to feel that when they get in that situation where this is my last load, I've got to pay the insurance or whatever the case may be. Um, they had compounded a bunch of mistakes to get to that point. Right. And that's what you got to start to educate. And, 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 and I know you do a good job. I, I really try to, I know a lot of people out there will preach, you know, from the mountaintops and, and people choose to listen or not. They could be like me, you like to learn the hard way or the expensive way. You know, I was told by my grandmother and all kinds of people don't do stuff and I did it anyway. And, you know, I paid the consequence, paid the price for it. So you just gotta, sometimes you gotta learn the hard lessons on your own, but hopefully people will take something that you just said and apply it to their situation, life, their forward thinking, know their numbers. That's the biggest thing. I think if you, and I don't know if you want to share, you don't have to, but if you, if you would, it'd be awesome. Just, I think to give people um, an idea of like, what does it take as an owner operator? And let's say they own their truck, own their trailer, or maybe and have a note to run on a rate per mile basis, like how much would they have to make percentage wise to make it cost effective for them? Do you have an idea on that? Everybody's going to be so different. Um, uh, Even a percentage, right? Like, Hey, best practice, you you know, you're, you're doing everything right. And you clear, you know, three to 10% profit for your, for your company, you know, maybe, maybe even like that, something like that, just to give people if your profit, your take home starts to get less than 30%, then um, you need to, uh, it, it, yeah, that uh, percentage wise, I can really use it. That's an easy one. If you start to get uh, 25 to 30% is like the danger zone, you know, where not, uh, danger zone or uh, more of um, you're better off going and being a company driver for UPS, Walmart, you know, uh, a lot of, there's some good truck yeah. companies out there. If you start to get below that, 30%, especially if you go below 25%, hey, it's time to, re- to redo things. You, you, you need to uh, you need to set do things different a whole lot. Uh, you know, they talk about relationships. A lot of people in the Facebook group, they talk about relationships. Relationships are important, and they do a whole lot for you. Um, 
I'm, and I don't talk um, probably enough about relationships, but relationships are really important when, as a, the market's down like this, like it is right now, uh, and you can create those relationships with shippers, receivers, and brokers when the market's down like this. I, I would much rather work with someone that I have a relationship with than to go and compete in this market here. You'll never, uh, I know it's a little bit off subject from what you were asking about, but uh, yeah. I would, no, no, you're that good. 30, that 30 it. to 25%. You're, you're well, I think the relationship's huge. And, and, and if you're good for time, I've got a few more minutes. I, I'd love to dive into this because I think the difference between a contact and a contract is the R. And in my opinion, that R stands for relationship, right? It's built on trust. It's built on loyalty. It's built on respect. There's a bunch of things that come when you have an investment into a relationship. So I love that you brought that up um, because that's I've, I've been you know, that's how I've got to where I'm at. It's by doing right. It's building those relationships. It's being authentic. It's being like, it, it, you do what you say you're going to do, how you say you're going to do it, when you say you're going to get it done, right? That That's like the easiest way to not cause friction in a relationship. Or if there is a problem, we talk about it. I'm up front, you own it. We're going to get in front of this thing and we're going to just, we're going to discuss it and grow from it. But that's huge, man. So I, I and <laughs> I love that you said that because I tell these clients all the time, Right now is the time that you should be go getting relationships, building those contacts, getting the people to say, you know what, I might, and you might even take a little bit less, know your numbers, you might even take a little bit less now for that opportunity to establish a longer term play here, not just come in as the tide shifts, in my opinion. But what, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, the, my thoughts on re- the topic of relationships is uh, I, 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 I'm well known for, for maximizing, getting the highest rate per mile. But that's whenever I and that's whenever the market's doing good, and I chase the good markets. I go to those good markets and 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 stay in those good markets. Uh, uh, that, that's what I've you know done. I, I just taught myself. But whenever the market goes into a dip like this, or going into a dead market, like you'll you you it's rarely if you go look at all the times I've talked about loads in the past, it's rare that I ever go to the Northeast. It's rare that I ever go to Florida. It's rare that I ever go somewhere where it's a dead market because my rate is so much. I'll charge. I'll charge. I'll take my backhaul with me. Uh, it's the saying I got from Rico. Um, I forgot what I said. But uh, uh, he would talk about taking your backhaul with you. If you uh, if you know Florida has a lot more trucks, uh, I'm using this example. If you go to Florida, there's a lot more trucks than there are loads. Then how many miles are you going to need to coming out of that market? Um, uh, and that's what you need. That's that's kind of where where you need to charge because. If I go to Florida, I'm already pre-planned in my head. I'm going to deadhead out of Florida if it's dead, if there's more trucks. Now, um, it's in this market where we're in now, most places have a lot more trucks than there are uh, loads. Anyway, so in a situation like this, like we're in now, it's best to have the relationships, to fall back on on relationships. Relationships help you out in so many ways. Like the January, I told you before, and I would go to Cincinnati to pick up a load. I'd go to the airport, and, and, uh, and uh, I mean, it was a relationship that I created by telling the broker, the broker would get fined if the fr- when the freight landed at the airport in Cincinnati, uh, DHL, I think uh, that had something to do with DHL. But if that once that once it got through customs, she, the broker got charged so much per hour that the freight sat there. So she needed someone that guaranteed her that they would pick up those medical supplies and take them to where they and get them off that airport lot. And she, but she couldn't give a time of when it would happen. I'm like, I live. If you can give me 90 minutes, I'll be there every single day. You call me, and I don't care what time it is. Damn, that was a relationship created. I got so much more. I got, I got. So she, during there was like at that time, 
Everybody was looking for Frank. I, at that time, because uh, I created the relationship with her, I quit looking for it. And it, I didn't charge an outrageous amount. I just charged. I told her. I said I needed this much money to go to Cincinnati, pick it up, take it to where it needed to go, drop it off, and come back to my house. And it was something small. But but by doing that, I uh, I, I created that relationship with her. She, I was the person she called all the time and gave all of her freight to. I mean, and the power only, uh, I used to do for AAA Cooper. I, I, this is the first time I ever told this story. But the, the relationship I created with them, AAA would, uh, by contract, would have to go through a certain broker. I was doing so, and this is during a really bad time. But because I created a relationship with the people that worked in that warehouse at AAA and, and the broker, the broker was a somewhat of a relationship, but I was around those people at AAA all the time that they remembered the name of my truck. And they looked me up. They couldn't get a hold of the broker. They had a load that had to go, an emergency load that had to go. And they remember the name of my truck. And the people at the warehouse called me. And I went and completed the load, brought and I had to bring the trailer back. It was a round trip. And I called the broker up. And, and this is a relationship I created with the broker. I said, I just did this load. And she says, well, I never knew nothing about it. That's because the warehouse called me and they didn't call you. But I, but they, but I couldn't take the broker out of the situation, and I wouldn't. But uh, but and I already had a relationship with the broker, and she's like, "Okay, well, I'll pay you for it," you know. And it was the same rate that I always charged them. I mean, yeah, relationships are so great when they work out, and and right now with the way it is, yeah, instead of chasing the market, sit back, make things easier for yourself, and and get a relationship going. It will come back, and you know, you can go back to doing your normal thing, chasing the spot rates. Uh, as when that's what I've always done. Uh, or you can stay with the, the relationship you've created. AAA will take me back to the heartbeat sound, over there. I mean, yeah, it sounds like. And that's sound advice, man. And I think that that is the resilience factor there. And it's just a way that people need to think and be a little bit outside the box, be a little bit more creative or open-minded and not just so set on what worked for them up till this point. But, like, you got to look at what's going to work moving forward, too. So I think that uh, people, if you're not, engaged with Chad or you're not in his group, go onto Facebook, go to Rate Per Mile Masters. I know he has a website, rpmmaster.com, but the Facebook group's probably the most active. They talk about detention pay. They talk about the rates. They talk about the market. They talk about trucking and and, and you name it. I mean, I know that you got relationships with everybody. There's so much value that you bring there. So I really just encourage everyone to go you know, check out what Chad has to say and what he's built and what he's done. It's, uh, uh, in my opinion, probably the most impressive group, you know, at, at over 35,000 members. And I can't even begin to imagine how many trucking companies and families you've impacted over that time frame. It's a lot. I, I, it's probably uncountable at this point, but I appreciate that's awesome, like Chad. Man, that. man I, I think that it's, uh, it's so cool, man. I'm, I'm grateful for you taking the time to come chat with me. I, I truly am, Chad. Thank you so much for sharing those. I, I know that that's valuable. It's helped me. It's opened my eyes to a couple things that, that even I didn't know, man. So I think that that's awesome. So, um, is there any, how else can people get a hold of you, maybe follow you or, or find out more about you? Um, I, I really, I've, uh, I, I put a lot of focus into the Facebook group. Uh, I, I like it. Just the, go to the Facebook. Yeah. Group. The Facebook group. Right. Yeah. I like, I know yeah. I've been on there. I mean, what other Facebook group you know that's been around for nine years? Usually they give up and go to crap after a while. <laughs> not many. I mean, nine years. Not many. In- I've moderated and, and read every single post for nine years. Every single post that gets posted in that group, every comment. It's just my passion. It's what I like to do. I love doing it. I mean, how many people, yeah. I mean, like if, 
I, I did the last speech I did at Matt's. I, I did the math on it. It was like reading the Bible. Like if you count up all the reading that I do and, and moderation and, and approving comments and posts, it was like reading the Bible three times a year with all the reading that I have to do from the beginning of it. I mean, in the partnerships that I've created, I've created a partnership with the Triumph Business Capital. I like that. Now, I mean, the one thing that we didn't talk about, oh, we'll have to go, maybe we can hit it on later, is we didn't talk about the what this week, the uh, National Trucker Appreciation Week. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, th- and this is dropping a little bit late, but yeah, huge shout out in Trucking Appreciation Week. And yes, go ahead and talk about Triumph. I know that they ran something on that that you endorsed. The, so well, well, the one thing that I'm doing this week that I'm doing is uh, I'm spotlighting the companies that do appreciate truck drivers. The companies that do appreciate, and the two companies I mentioned so far was C.H. Robinson. Absolutely, they appreciate truck drivers. Look at how massive they are. And uh, you know, you know, I handle a lot of problems for guys when they have problems with brokers. I'll even call the broker up myself and talk to them. I've done that a hundred times and I get results <laughs> when I do it. But how many times have I done that with C.H. Robinson? And I know the top people. I, I, I used to go bowling with the previous CEO. Well, only one time. Uh, but uh, uh, Bob, I, I liked him. He, 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 he made that company. I hope the CEO, fingers crossed, the, C, the new CEO keeps C.H. Robinson as good as they are. Uh, Triumph is another one. It's another company I've been working with for six, seven years. We do millions of the, the group members, people in that group that I, that I brought to Triumph does millions of uh, factoring loads with Triumph every single week, not month, every single week for six to seven, the past six to seven years. And, and I can go at the CEOs in the group. I know the, the head people, the head of marketing is in, is in my Facebook group. I'm friends with them. I've been to their, I've been to Texas and hung out with them. I can at any time call any of my need to and get, and get get any problem I need to taken care of. How many times have I had to take care of problems with them? Never, hardly ever. I mean, sometimes but, somebody will be yeah, like, well, you don't have to. You get the, well, you get people bitching, but I I think a lot of those are unfounded, right? I really do. But yes, I, I I, I, that's it's so all for Driver Appreciation Week. I, I like spotlighting the companies truly appreciate pre, appreciate you know drivers, and they've shown it. You know, those are two that I've done yeah. so far. I'll, I'll come up with some more. <laughs> Now nah, you will. And I, and uh, just to like show like my motives when doing this was to truly give back and not be selfish and that kind of stuff. And I know Chad, you know, we had chatted prior to coming on was a concern of his because I own a trucking insurance brokerage, but Chad works with Reliant, uh, Reliant or Reliance, Reliance right? Partners. Yeah, Reliance Partners, and you can feature that. Go ahead and talk about them too, yes. man. It's uh, okay, I think great. they're good people. I've heard nothing but great things. I see how they operate and I see how they treat their customers, which aligns with us. So like for me, um, there's a lot of bad people out in the industry that maybe aren't, uh, I don't know, but like they're one of the good ones. So go ahead and talk about them just so you guys know. Because you brought them up and I had this paper uh, sitting over here. Um, I just talked to one of the, we have a, we have an agent that works for Reliance Partners. Her name is Nicole. I get, I get stats from them. Uh, one guy was paying, um, was paying thirty eight thousand, and I have this wrote down, and not not because I knew you were going. You did, I didn't, I didn't even know you were going to ask me, but I had this wrote down because I, just, I like I like playing with numbers. One guy was paying, owner operator was paying thirty eight thousand. Reliance Partners got him down to twenty thousand. Another guy was paying to, uh, another owner for twenty eight thousand, got him down to twelve thousand five hundred. And the the biggest one, a guy was paying, he had a really bad record. No, I'm not his name. <laughs> he, had a, he was paying two hundred and eighty thousand dollars is what he got quoted. I don't know if he ever paid it, but that's what his renewal was going to be was two hundred eighty thousand, and this this he had a fleet of trucks and Reliance Partners got him down to one hundred eleven thousand. Uh, I, I, uh, 
I, I mean, think about how how a good. I don't. I, I cannot because I'm not a sales agent. I don't get paid commission. I get a, pl- a, flat, a flat rate from the Lions partners by recommending them. Uh, if I did get paid commission, my gosh, I'd make all kinds of money from the Lions partners. But I'm not licensed in those states. And- get your license, Chad. You can get paid. <laughs> uh, you have to be licensed in all those states. Uh, but Reliance Partners has been like one of the best people I've ever gotten partners with. Look at how and they've grown. They're like one of the biggest there is. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just it's such, such, such it feels so good to see like. To be able to, I'm saving you this much money, you know, by getting, getting over to Reliance Partners and seeing the results from that. Our uh, our rep over there is Nicole. They're one of the biggest. They shop markets that some uh, that some companies that they don't shop. Uh, just a, a one stop shop that that gets that, for your insurance. I feel. I mean, I'm, I'm so I'm so I've been so thankful yep. that I partnered with them. Anyway, our rep, you can see that in the Facebook group too. Our rep that you would want to talk to is Nicole yep. over there. Do it. Yep. And I, and like I said, I mean, my intent on this podcast was peer and I know that was a concern of yours. So I just wanted to make sure to address, but that being said though, there's other partners though. And I mean, there's different synergies and things that Chad endorses that I really think you go look at and take a benefit and everything comes with, for the most part a discount, some things you can and can't, there's regulatory bodies. So like everyone kind of know that going in, but awesome, Chad. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate you taking the time to come on and, uh, I look forward to this thing dropping and hopefully, uh, you gain a little bit more followers in this and people perk up and listen up and figure out how to run these trucking companies better, man. I appreciate well, I, it. I, I, thank you. I thank some for coming on here. This was fun. Good talking to you. Yeah, man. Okay. All right, buddy. 